Each of us can contribute meaningful change in the world. As servant leaders in a global society, it's what we as sitting hall devote our hearts, minds and spirits to each day. If you are looking for a path where your passion and interest in shaping the world will be taken seriously, then this is the place for you. Take the next step and register at an information session. Connect live with our representatives at an upcoming webinar and learn more about how our customizable graduate programs can help you reach your professional goals. Please check the link in the podcast description. How was uh, UNGA? Hello. Welcome to the October edition of UN Scripted. I'm Kilechuku Ogu. I'm stepping in for Olivia Ondubisi. She will be joining Damilola Banjo in November. We're back to now. Damilola went to the Brazil mission in New York to speak with Norberto Moretti, the country's deputy permanent representative to the United Nations. I think it was very productive. Uh, busy, hectic as it should be. Um, we had a very substantial participation of um, people based in capital. We had a good number of ministers coming. The president, of course, uh, came and delivered um, quite a speech, uh, I believe, that has been well uh, assessed by and well received by many. So I think it was very successful. She also had a lively virtual chat with Gustavo Macedo, postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. Thank you very much for the invitation. Every month, we check in with council presidents to see if Russia and Ukraine will be on the agenda. The issue or situation in Ukraine is not on the work program, the program of work, uh, not because the council will not necessarily discuss this issue. Discussions on um, the Ukraine are not mandated. As we have been saying all along, as presidency of the council will certainly be open to um, hold meetings should there be a suggestion uh, to have a meeting uh, or to discuss this issue. We took the view to not to uh, overload the program uh, with additional meetings precisely because it's already a very heavy month uh, on regular business and because, as you know, this first week has been taken by the trip to Addis Ababa to have um, a meeting consultations with the Peace and Security Council there of the African Union. But again, on Ukraine, uh, there should be any proposal will be entertaining, of course. If you are new to the podcast and you are wondering why Moretti describes Russia's invasion of Ukraine as a situation, Macedo explains. I think that Brazil is playing the game of neutrality, which is the characteristic of the Brazilian foreign policy for decades. Fifteen countries were elected into the Human Rights Council for three-year terms on October 10. Two of those countries are from the BRICS grouping, Brazil and China, infamous for its oppression of Turkic Muslims and Tibetans. In 2024, there will be four key BRICS members in the council, China, Brazil, India, and South Africa. China and Russia have expressed the view that human rights is politicized. We probe Moretti to see if Brazil shares this consensus with its BRICS allies. This is a very important issue that you raise. Politicization of human rights, not only human rights, but human rights, weakens uh, the whole construct of human rights law. 
whether um, country A or B politicizes it, it's a different discussion. Uh, but Brazil has long taken the position that uh, the way the Human Rights Council was uh, built in, in replacement of the, the old Human Rights Commission was precisely with the objective of, one, uh, avoiding what we call selectivity. Uh, because the politicization uh, translates normally into selectivity, meaning that uh, for some situations or for some countries, um, there will be all sorts of um, action by the Human Rights Council, and in some other cases where similar rights might have been violated, you don't see that kind of action coming out of the Council. Um, and Brazil has long fought against it. Brazil, as you might know, has served... Uh, for five times now in the Human Rights Council. Uh, we are now candidates um, uh, for a sixth term. We have always uh, been very clear and, and, and firm on saying that if we are to uh, defend, promote, preserve the very important achievement we made in the past, which translated into the creation and the establishment of the Human Rights Council, we should all be very rigorous in following three, the three main principles of, of the system which are um, indivisibility of human rights, universality of human rights, and non-selectivity. All countries are responsible for ensuring that human rights are properly dealt with, that they are applied in a, a, a non-selective manner, um, uh, and that this will um, help us strengthen the system uh, ever more. Brazil is bidding to join the Human Rights Council when the election is coming up. Um, if you join, um, if you get in again, would you be taking on political arrests, like the questionable life imprisonment um, sentencing of the Uyghur academic um, Rahila Dawit? Um, as I mentioned, we will take, um, as we have in the past, all issues um, not only uh, political rights, but all sorts of rights uh, from the perspective of these three principles that I mentioned before, universality, indivisibility, and uh, non-selectivity. Um, and being specific does not mean being selective, but sometimes um, if uh, you are specific just on one set of countries or situations and not in the other, then you may run the risk of being selective. Um, and as I said, selectivity kills the system. If we are to um, contribute to the strength of the system, we have to fight non-selectivity. We have to fight selectivity. We have to uh, really guide ourselves by uh, the principle of non-selectivity. Even though Brazil was traditionally a human rights champion when it comes to international politics, Brazil doesn't have the kind of uh, behavior that he points fingers and others. But what do you think of this ideology, if I may, of staying neutral in a world where there's constant conflicts and violations, that countries and big powers are always camouflaging or, or presenting in other forms except what it is? My personal perspective, and it certainly applies to Brazil, it applies to any other country, the US, France, China, any country. Uh, I think it's uh, we are living now a uh, crisis in the governance, multilateral governance. As you said, we are watching 
the human rights situation getting worse and worse every single day. We are speaking right now, and there is this conflict in Israel. A few weeks ago, we had a conflict in Armenia. We still have the ongoing war in Ukraine, and not to say in Haiti and other regions of the world. And some um, data that come from the United, the United Nations actually says that the we have never seen this situation before. I mean, there, the number of refugees increasing to a level that have never been seen before. The number of people killed in violent conflicts have never been seen before. And I think it's disgusting. Disgusting the fact that we have an institution, the United Nations, but the United Nations is as good as the members. The, the UN is not a problem. It's the politics, the members, the, the nation states. We, we are facing this crisis in human rights government governance, the same kind of crisis that we see in environmental governance, in refugees and nuclear issues and so on. So if I may, I would say it's a larger uh, picture. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Now, back to the show. When Jair Bolsonaro became Brazil's president in 2018, he not only ignored the country's policy of neutrality, he also abandoned the Amazon allowing commercial farmers and miners clear swaths of forest and contaminate the environment. There have been reports, and this is um, talking about um, the Amazon now, um, there's been reports in Brazil that President Lula is not doing enough to reverse um, the anti-indigenous people's policies um, instituted by the former president. Um, in an instance, he, this this news um, that I read um, about weakening um, the power of the ministries of the indigenous people and um, the environment. Considering how protecting the Amazon is to the world at large, what is your response to the critics saying that, well, President Lula is not exactly doing anything different from uh, his predecessor? Um, I would say that um, whoever airs this criticism is uh, poorly informed. 
um, true, um, uh, you can't uh, change situations overnight. We're talking about very complex issues, negative developments um, in the past. But just take uh, two clear examples of um, effective action by uh, the current administration that, that is directly related to indigenous interests. Deforestation was reduced in 50% in nine months in the Amazon region, I'm talking. Um, why is this related to your question? Because um, normally uh, those mostly or most directly affected by uh, deforestation uh, is uh, the indigenous uh, population or indigenous communities. So fighting deforestation um, goes a long way uh, in terms of uh, uh, defending, promoting uh, the rights and interests of indigenous populations. Um, but um, more than that, the um, probably the most effective uh, measure taken so far is to um, really increase the actions in, uh, of law enforcement in the region, uh, especially dedicated or devoted to um, removing from indigenous lands uh, illegal miners um, uh, that uh, in the recent past uh, brought um, so much suffering to some of those communities. Um, so again, uh, problems um, are there, they are um, complex, but they are certainly being addressed. Uh, it requires time, it requires planning, it requires resources, and both time and resources have been put uh, forward to address those problems. Yeah, this is an important question, So, I, and I have to, to divide my answers in two parts. The first part is, no, I don't think that Lula is doing enough. And when I say Lula, is not just the man, it's the government. Macedo does not see President Lula's efforts at protecting the Amazon as a complete washoff. After President Lula finished his first term in 2011, his next two successors, Tuma Rousseff and Michel Temer, were ousted on corruption charges. In the intervening period, Brazil's legislature have become much stronger, and now... That means that Lula has to deal with the Congress. And the Congress, after the last election, became very conservative in comparison to the previous Congresses. So Lula has a, this great challenge. He was elected with this, what let me call it a liberal and pos positive agenda, okay, defending environment, human rights, workers, but he can own government with the help of the Congress and the Congress now is more conservative than ever before. So this is the difficulty that Lula is facing right now. Lula, which is more than the guy, he had to split the ministries among representatives from other parties, and some of them are conservative. Yes, so the, the government, the Brazilian government, is certainly not doing enough. Damilola and I have been producing this podcast for almost two years, and we have not seen any conversation around climate change-induced irregular migration in the Security Council. Let's talk migration. Um, it's Climate-induced migration has been a very big topic, um, conversation that's been going on um, around the world. But um, I have been covering um, the 
UN Security Council for close to a year now. And every month, the rotating presidency, they hasn't, at least in the last two years or thereabout that I have covered the Security Council, there isn't enough conversation around migration. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, is this a topic outside of the scope of the Security Council? Why isn't the Council taking uh, more interest in um, the issue of migration? Um, migration should be looked at different perspectives. There is a migration, for example, that happens in our region, for example, I mean uh, the Americas, that is normally um, uh, motivated by the lack of economic opportunities, um, social perspectives. Um, this is something um, uh, that happens in our region, but not, also, not only. Um, uh, if you think about, for example, um, Africa uh, and the, the current migration uh, flows to Europe, for example, um, uh, they are um, uh, driven by several factors. But again, uh, poverty um, is one of them, the lack of uh, social um, economic perspectives. Um, in some cases, um, migration can uh, aggravate a given conflict that pre-exists this migration can also, in some cases, be uh, um, motivated by um, uh, climate uh, phenomena. Um, so when um, migration or other uh, um, uh, phenomena um, relate to peace and security, the Council is fully um, entitled to deal with them. Um, two, you, you mentioned that if, um, if your perception is correct, and I would uh, correct it. Um, in several issues um, where mig migration flows can, um, as I said, aggravate um, conflicts um, or contribute uh, to um, the eruption of any conflict, then member states normally uh, mention it, normally deal with it. Um, not as much as, for example, refugees or internally displaced uh, people, um, but uh, they do, uh, especially when the Secretary General reports on certain migra migration flows that might have that impact on peace and security. I did a Google search of signature events and migration, and I found no hits. While we wait for a council member to see migration as more than an economic issue, it's dinner time for some listeners, and we do not want anyone missing out on dining time with family. I can imagine that the work you do is always very serious and um, we like to show the part that is fun also to our listener. How do you have fun in New York City? Normally I don't. <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been leaving the office around 9, 9.30. Wow. My wife doesn't like it. She's, uh, yesterday she told me it's the last time I'll wait for you to have dinner. <laughs> And um, and I I can I can understand her, um, but this this uh, this is a busy time of the year for us. We are on the council on this, on the presidency of the council. But who, how do I have fun uh, in New York? I, I like the city very much. Uh, it's the second time I live here. It's full of life. It's full of uh, you know energy. It reminds me of Rio to some extent. I come from Rio. Um, Rio is also a city that can be. Uh, you know, a bit chaotic sometimes, but full of life, full of people. I mean, you go on the streets and you find different people doing different things. Very open people, um, both in, in, in Rio and New York. 
concretely speaking, what I've been doing to have fun is going to the movies and walking by the river. I live close to the East River, so I walk by uh, when I can. So I can't complain, uh, and I'm sure that next year will be easier for us. It has been a really loaded episode. I hope I was able to unpack it all. Damilola spoke with Norberto Moretti, Brazil's Deputy Permanent Representative to the Security Council, and Gustavo Macido, postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. They discussed the politicization of human rights, the BRICS grouping, migration, and the Amazon. Final buys from me. This episode was presented by Damilola Banjo and Kelechuku Ogo. Kelechuku Ogo was the producer, music was by Poddington Bear, and the editor is Dulcie Leinbach. This episode has been made possible with support from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the Open Society Foundation, and you, our generous readers. Unscripted is available where you get podcasts. If you liked today's show, please share it with all your friends and rate us on iTunes. Thank you.